Welcome to the Not Just History Podcast. I'm your host, Addison Buck, and in this episode, we will be comparing women's rights and activism in both 1920s America and modern America. We are going to explore the evolution of women's rights and see how it affected women in America. Not only that, but we will be looking at modern-day solutions to this problem, as well as inquiring as to whether or not we can use history and possibly our past mistakes to solve our current problems with women's rights. Before we jump in, I would once again like to remind all you listeners of my central question for these next few podcast episodes, which is, how were women treated differently than men throughout history? I'm also wondering why some people thought this way, and how did these ideas evolve throughout time? What were some of the different roles that men and women had in history? Now that all of that's aside, let's take a look back. In this episode, we are first going to look at how women lived in the 1920s, specifically in North Carolina. In 1920, women gained the right to vote, which was a right that they had not previously had and was reserved for mainly white men. Black men had just gotten the right to vote 50 years prior, but they were still limited at the polls due to poll taxes and literary tests and such. The 19th Amendment was a huge advancement for women because we now had the right to have a say in who led our government, which is a huge aspect of American politics. However, not everyone was happy with the change to the Constitution. One source explains that, surprisingly, some women didn't want the vote. A widespread attitude was that women's roles and men's roles did not overlap. This idea of separate spheres held that women should concern themselves with home, children, and religion, while men took care of business and politics. North Carolina opponents of women's suffrage, or voting, claim that women are not the equal of men mentally, and being able to vote would take them out of their proper sphere of life. To many of us now, this idea that women are not mental equals to men is ridiculous, but you have to remember that people had lived with these ideals for hundreds and really thousands of years. Even thinking ahead to modern day society, there are still sexists and misogynists that think men are superior to women. All that aside, most women embraced the change and were happy to see that they were able to vote alongside men. So that was one of the first very major changes in society in addition to women's rights. After that, women started fighting child labor laws while fighting for prison reform. They also started attending school. While the schools that they did attend were colleges for women and not co-ed, this is a huge achievement. We learned from past civilizations that one of the main ways that men kept women from advancing was by keeping them from an education, which would in turn keep them from higher status jobs or jobs that require an education. However, women were not allowed jobs in the STEM or political fields until later, even with this education, and those women that did allow, uh, attend college were only allowed jobs that were deemed suitable for women, such as nurses or teachers. And again, not everyone accepted the new ideas of women getting a higher education. For example, UNC allowed women, but the student newspaper said women not wanted here. Lastly, it is interesting that the article brings up the idea that Hollywood and popular media influence the idea that women should not be allowed to do the same things as men and should stay in the house instead, when these media outlets were predominantly run by men at the time. However, we can see that as time went on, women were able to gain more rights and freedoms, even when met with criticism and hate. Next up, we are going to look into the women's suffrage movement and the important women behind the movement. The women's suffrage movement lasted many, many years, and its main goal was to give women the right to vote. The reference states that the new organization named the National American Women's Suffrage Association 
elected its officers Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Susan B. Anthony, Lucy Stone, and Alice Stone Blackwell, Stone's daughter. Their unification was essential to the progress of winning the vote for women. With more women on the front lines of the movement, it was easier to gain traction and gain people's attention. While the movement was getting some attention, we can still see that it was challenged. For example, the article claims that women in Kansas have been able to vote on municipal matters since 1887, and voting on school matters had existed in 26 other states and territories. However, this right was consistently being challenged in both the courts and at the polls. This source makes it clear that not only did women not have unequal rights to men in the 1920s, but many men did not want women to have the same rights. For example, one of the main issues was that women did not have the right to vote, whereas white men always had the right to vote. But it can be seen that many men did not want women to have these rights. This can be further shown in the demonstrations that women had. The source goes on to say that demonstrators were badly harassed during this march. Some of the male onlookers, many of them drunk, poked and cheered, uh, jeered as the marchers passed by. One man stuck out his foot, tripping marchers. This shows that some men had little respect for women demonstrators. Another way that men were shown to want to keep women from their rights was how lawmakers prevented women from voting at the polls. Also, the fact that women were arrested for blocking traffic and then put into solitary confinement really brings to question whether this really was because they were blocking traffic or because there were women protesting unequal rights. Normally, you do not get solitary confinement for just blocking traffic, so this makes me think that it was for the latter reason. And another issue that was brought up during this time was that of minimum wage and long working hours, which is a large problem, large problem and feeds into the idea that men should provide for the family. Since if women got longer working hours but a smaller wage, it would feed into the idea that their jobs weren't really necessary or that they weren't really the big money makers for the home. So uh, this was a really important uh, issue for the women's movement. The last source from the 1920s talks about the flapper movement, which demonstrates how women were starting to feel more liberated from the societal norms. The article informs that flappers were seen as independent women and were often young and energetic in spirit. Many saw them as outrageous, immoral, or downright dangerous. They were seen as the first generation of independent American women, and they broke down the walls of letting women have social, political, and sexual freedom. It is not a coincidence that the rise of flappers came with further advancements in women's rights. The article goes on to say that multiple events led to the rise in flappers, some of which were the rise of women in the workforce during World War I, the 19th Amendment, and Margaret Sanger sparking a wave of women's right to birth control. It is obvious that as women felt that times were changing from the past, they felt that their actions and even their clothing should change to fit with the more independent version of what some women wanted to be. However, flappers were met with criticism. The article tells us that not everyone was a fan of a woman's newfound sexual freedom and consumer ethos, and there was inevitably a public reaction against flappers. Utah tried to pass legislation about how long a woman's skirt should be, Virginia tried to ban dresses that revealed too much throat, and Ohio tried to ban fitting outfits. Women in bathing suits that were seen as inappropriate were escorted off or arrested. This just goes to further show that there will always be people that don't want things to change, maybe because that was not how they were raised or perhaps because they benefited from the old systems. 
I personally think it is crazy that a woman could be arrested based off of her bathing suit, but that's just me. Like in Roman Greece, it can be seen that men wanted to restrict the freedoms of women so that they could have not as much power as the men. Also, the image of a flapper is very different from the image of a woman that men deemed suitable, which shows that women were starting to rebel against the societal norms themselves. Now, let's take a jump forward and look at women's rights in more modern times. The first source, which informs about the fourth wave of feminism, says that currently the women's rights movement is gaining a lot of attention, not only in the in the United States, but also across the entire world. Currently, we are on the fourth wave of feminism, which the article states started in 2012, and it focuses on sexual harassment, body image, and rape culture, among other issues. A lot more people are starting to come forward with their own experiences and trauma, and that is helping us change the way our society accepts victims to help them and to raise generations that treat women and men equally. This information is mainly being spread through social media. For instance, the article tells us that after Donald Trump was elected, someone who has been known to sexually harass women, someone posted on Facebook that there should be a march in D.C. This grew to be the Women's March. 4.6 million people attended marches in the United States alone. I think that people have realized that in order for change to actually happen, we need a lot of people supporting the movement. If we want to bring this problem to the attention of political leaders, we will all have to band together and create a larger scale movement. It also shows how the issues of women's rights have evolved. They used to be very general, such as women getting equal voting rights or being able to work, things that we might take for granted nowadays, but are now things that might not have gotten much attention in times such as the 1920s. Next, I looked at one of the bigger issues when it comes to gender equality, which was unequal pay in the working environments. Statistics from inequality.org stated that in 2016, women earned 81 cents for every dollar a man earned. Also, men make more money than women in every U.S. industry. Based on what I have learned so far about how some men perceive women, I can only assume that this would be because some men see themselves as mentally superior to women and their quality of work as superior, which is completely not true, but I digress. Another statistic that was shared was that the top five U.S. investment banks have 69 to 82% men as top managers. The majority of minimum wage workers are women as well. This could be for the same reason that women are paid less. Also, if these corporate leaders are older men, this could be because their ideas have not evolved with society. I feel that as a society, we have become more accepting of women in the workforce and in corporate and STEM jobs, but it is possible that older generations do not think this way. Also, women generally have more college debt than men, more women are below the poverty line than men, and after the pandemic hit, more women are unemployed than men. For me, this all goes back to the same misogynistic idea that men are superior to women, but really, women should have the right to be paid equally. It should really be based on the quality of work rather than your gender on how much you're paid. Let's look at gender inequality during the COVID-19 pandemic. This was a very hard time for a lot of people and really still is, but especially for working women. In a news interview, Heather Long states that women were hit harder than men in the spring, and this was because women work more in jobs that had to shut down, such as in restaurants and hospitality. Alarmingly, women are also leaving the workforce in order to take care of their children at home because the children can't be at school. 
For example, over 800,000 women stopped looking for work or stopped working in September. I find it interesting that women were the ones leaving the workforce at a larger rate when either men or women could realistically be the ones to go home and take care of their children. This could be for a variety of reasons that I've previously mentioned, one of which being that women already statistically make less money than men, so it would be less of a hit on the families and women have less positions of power than men, or that women are traditionally seen as the ones who should be in the home taking care of the children. For whatever reason, it is clear that women are being discriminated against in the workforce by disproportionately having to leave the workforce when compared to men. Uh, Long goes on to say that even before the pandemic, the United States was behind in progressive gender equality compared to countries such as Japan and Canada. I find this interesting because countries like Japan are older than America, so you would think that they are more traditionalist, but instead they are more progressive. Also, I don't understand why the United States hasn't caught on yet if other countries have been able to. If one country can accept gender equality, then every other country should be able to as well. However, there is hope, and Long says that one of the main ways to fix this is to find more childcare so that women can go back to work. Large investment banks are trying to get more childcare for women. In Congress, there is a lot of support in giving more money towards childcare centers. All these are great points that she lists out, and I hope that these groups actually carry out their claims so that women and men can be seen equally in the workforce. Childcare centers especially would allow both working moms and dads to go to work without having to worry about their children at home. So this has been a look at women's rights in 1920s and modern day America. We've seen that there are definitely a lot of men that still think that women are not equal to men. And honestly, I sadly think that it will stay this way for a while. You know, we see a lot of men that thought this way in the times of ancient Egypt and in ancient Rome, for example. And they were even using the same tactics to keep women from power. Um, And we have made progress, even if it has been slow, but I don't think that There will really ever be a time where every single person on this planet will see women and men as equals. And I think that's a sad reality. But I mean, in history, we've seen that there's always going to be people that criticize women for their gains and try to challenge women's gains. And I think that it's going to stay that way. However, I find it um, highly likely that the amount of people that think that men and women should be treated equally will grow. And I think that the main solution to this is education. Yes, there are some uh, solutions such as those that Heather Long mentioned that would limit men's excuses to limiting women in their rights, such as opening more childcare centers so that more women can be in the workforce. But I think that by educating children now, they will grow up to treat both men and women equally and maybe even change the laws that women really do have equal rights to men. I mean, we have seen how important education is in history. It was one of the ways that men kept women from having higher positions of power and more control in the government. They would keep women from being able to get an education so that they couldn't have um, more scientific jobs or jobs that required higher education, which would allow them more power to try to limit their power. So I think that using the education to our advantage, we could try to allow the younger generations to give women their equal rights as they should have them. So I think that would be really important and that's something that we can learn from history. Also educating children on gender roles and how really there shouldn't really be gender roles in my opinion. I think that it depends on your personality and really 
if you, I mean, if you like being in the house, you can be in the house and take care of children. If you like working, then that's fine too. I mean, it's been a really I, big idea that's been ingrained in society. And I think that it's time to change that by educating our younger generation. We saw in almost all the civilizations and even in America that there are gender roles and I think that we really need to change that in order to advance women's rights so that more laws can be passed that allow women and men to have equal rights. For example, um, the idea that women have to be the ones to go home to take care of children during the COVID-19 pandemic, we could create laws so that women don't have to be the ones to do that all the time. Really, men and women shouldn't have to do that. Nobody should have to exit the workforce in order to take care of their children. Um just be just for that one single reason um obviously children need to be taken care of but there should be child care centers but women shouldn't be seen as the sole people in the house to do that so i think that educating people will allow people to create laws in the future that will give women equal rights i sincerely hope that someday men and women will be treated as equals and that someday women will have equal rights Thank you for listening to Not Just History, produced, researched, written, and hosted by Addison Buck. My references are in the document submitted with this, and I will see you later.